have no guests and that means it's going to be a very lonely sombering I'm just kidding it's going to be an awesome episode I'm going to be talking about the eight storylines that I personally am looking forward to watching the second half of the NBA season as always thank you so much for listening I always appreciate your guys support and the NBA is heating up all right it's getting spicy again I'm not going to lie to you, there was times in the first half of the season where I was kind of bored. There wasn't much going on. There wasn't much excitement. But now, now I look around and we got the trade deadline coming up. We have the playoff push coming up. We have Steph Curry yelling at his teammates. Basically, Kendrick Perkins yesterday was insinuating that Steph Curry yelling at his teammates was basically like, hey guys, if you don't wake up, I'm trading you off the Warriors. And Things are getting spicy around the league again. You have the Sixers beating my Bulls last night without Ben Simmons and without Joel Embiid, which was outright embarrassing, and it left me with a bitter taste in my mouth today. Um, All in all, there's a lot of storylines to look forward to. So this episode is going to be Armani's eight favorite storylines to look forward to. So Hopefully I mention your team. If I don't, I'm sorry, but they are in the back of my mind because I love all things NBA, not just the Chicago Bulls. Um, I actually despise the Chicago Bulls, as you guys know, but these are the eight things that I have my eye on. So without further ado, let's get started with the eight storylines that I have my eye on. Number one, the Dallas Mavericks. Okay, last night, Dallas without Luka, Without Porzingis, they lost to Oklahoma City. But before that, they were on a winning streak. They're on a four-game winning streak. And they're sitting at eighth in the West, okay? They're 19 and 17. And a lot of people, I feel like, have just forgotten about Dallas. This Dallas team last year was a very competitive team. They gave the Clippers all they could handle in the first round. And I feel like people are forgetting because Luka came into the season a little out of shape. And I think people are sleeping on Dallas. Why do I like them so much? Well, last night was a great example of why I like them so much. Because you have guys like Jalen Brunson who have taken a huge leap this year. Tim Hardaway Jr. is starting to play with a lot of confidence again. And then you have guys like Maxi Kleba and a guy that a lot of people aren't talking about because he hasn't done anything yet. Dwight Powell coming off of injury. This Dallas team, in my opinion is as good as, if not better than last year's unit on paper, right? And so I look at them going forward, and I really, really do think that they are a team, when I look around the West, that can give a team like the Clippers, like Phoenix, like Utah, a huge, huge run for their money. And with all that being said, a lot of talk has been given about Porzingis and his play and him being on the trade market, but I don't really look at him and get worried. I think this is a guy that, yes, he's injury prone, but when he's healthy, when he's revved up, he's a seven foot three sharpshooter that is a very tough cover and he plays with a lot of heart. All right. So I really 
have my eye on Dallas going forward. And they are my first storyline of the second half of the season. Keeping it out west, my second storyline. I love talking about teams that are tanking. I just I I love all things about the NBA, so I can't help myself but love teams that are tanking. And one of the teams that's I think the most fascinating team in the NBA is the Houston Rockets. And I have my eye on three guys specifically for them. And those guys are Kevin Porter Jr., Kenyon Martin Jr., and Jay Sean Tate. Now Jay Sean Tate's 25, so he doesn't really fit the young ish timeline I guess but these are three guys that I think probably are the guys for the Rockets going forward which is all which is kudos to those guys but also it's how depressing it must be to be a a Rockets fan right now because this team is an absolute mess now the good news is when I look around the league the Rockets are currently 11 and 24 by the looks of it, I think they're going to end up being the worst team record-wise in the NBA. As I started taping this podcast, Eric Gordon was just ruled out for four to six weeks. They are an absolute mess. They've been decimated by injuries all year. They do have talent on the roster with Christian Wood, Oladipo, and John Wall, and Eric Gordon now that he's now he's hurt, though. Um, but this team is fascinating to me, not only because of their young talent, but because I think they have so many guys that can acquire them assets at the trade deadline. Ben McLemore, Daniel House, P.J. Tucker. We just talked about the aforementioned Victor Oladipo. They have so much talent that can maybe not work for them, but a contender could look at that talent and say, yeah, give me that guy, and that guy might put us over the hump. So the Rockets are an absolutely fascinating storyline of a team to watch going forward. The third storyline that I have my eye on is a team that I still think might be the second best team in the West. I actually probably would go out on a limb and call the Denver Nuggets the second best team in the West, in my opinion. And I have my eye on Michael Porter Jr. And on a night-to-night basis, right, if the Nuggets want to seriously contend for a championship, Michael Porter Jr. has to be more consistent. Jokic, Nikola Jokic, I personally believe will go down as the MVP of the NBA this season when it's all said and done. Jamal Murray, again, I've said it on this podcast before, he doesn't need to prove anything to me anymore. He proved it in the bubble that he can flip a switch when needed. At this point, it's all gravy in the regular season with me and Jamal Murray. But Michael Porter Jr. has not proven it enough in the regular season or in the playoffs for me to be comfortable with calling the Nuggets a true title contender because title contenders go beyond their their primary two-star players. Michael Porter Jr. is the X-factor and probably was the X-factor last year between the Nuggets being a really, really good team and a true title contender. So my third storyline is watching Michael Porter Jr. on a night-to-night basis and seeing what kind of consistency he can demonstrate. And honestly speaking, I'm not very hopeful. Long-term, I still have a lot of hopes for Michael Porter Jr. turning into a true star player, but he hasn't shown me the consistency that I desire for him to be considered a true star 
player at this stage in his career. With that being said, the Nuggets have so much depth that is tantalizing. Zeke Naji, the rookie, came out of nowhere. He's playing great. Now they got P.J. Dozier stepping up again. R.J. Hampton, they try to experiment with him a little bit. We all know about Campazzo. He makes Bleacher Report and House of Highlights every other night with his passes. But beyond his passes, he's a very, very important piece to their team. So the Nuggets, Michael Porter Jr. is a great story to watch, but they have a lot of depth behind him that I'm very interested in watching as well. Let's get to the fourth storyline of the NBA uh, of the second half of the NBA season, and that is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Just like the Houston Rockets, I'm fascinated by Oklahoma City's young group of guys. They're 16 and 21. Let me take a side note real quick. Jerry West has often been thought of as being this mastermind GM, and he was. He was for a long time. Lately, his moves in LA, including trading a shit ton of picks for Paul George, it makes me question whether Jerry has lost his luster. With that being said, Oklahoma City is 16-21. and 21. They have a ton of draft assets coming in through the pipelines, and they're in the middle of a playoff race right now. And not only that, they have so many young pieces that are just absolutely fascinating to watch going forward. Obviously, we all know about Shea Gilgis-Alexander. In my opinion, he's already a star, and I definitely think he has superstar potential. Beyond Shea, guys that don't get enough love, Teo Maladon, all right? He looks like a 10-year vet as an NBA point guard. Just the way he can kind of maneuver an offense and navigate pick and roll. He's a very, very polished rookie, and it's amazing to watch him. And if you've listened to this podcast before, I've mentioned my love affair for Isaiah Roby. And Isaiah Roby is a guy who comes off the bench for OKC, but he's so skilled as a young big man. And then, obviously, Pokachevsky is, I think, out of all the players in this past draft class, he's probably the most interesting one to navigate going forward because he has nights where he looks like he can't even play in the G League and then he has nights where you're like this guy is a potential NBA star all that being said the Thunder have to be one of the most fascinating teams in the NBA we didn't even mention the rest of their depth like Kenrick Williams Ty Jerome they have so much young talent coming up the pipelines that if it hits this team Potentially, you add in, you know, if they get like a top six pick, they have maybe, this might be a little bit blasphemous to some, they could end up having the brightest future in the NBA, just like they did when they had Harden, Durant, and Westbrook. We might be seeing Sam Presti come uh, do a full circle and complete a repeat of the Thunder Dynasty of old. So they are fascinating to me going forward. So far, I've given you four Western Conference storylines, so now I'm going to go and do four Eastern Conference storylines, and the first storyline I got to talk about in the second half of the season is Trey Young's leadership, okay? The Hawks are 17-20, and 20, coming off a game where Tony freaking Snell hit a game-winning three-pointer, and you know as a Bulls fan, shout out to Snelly Cat, that guy... 
he is the definition of mediocre wing. But hey, kudos to him for hitting that big shot. There was a lot of Hawks fans on Twitter saying, keep that same energy when we get hot. Now the Hawks have won three in a row. They're talking shit about beating the Raptors who were missing like half their team due to COVID and, and such. So I thought that was very, um, <laughs> very ballsy of Hawks Twitter to be talking that much smack after beating the decimated Raptors. But nonetheless, Trey Young, 17 and 20. They're in the eighth seed right now. There's actually a four-way tie between eighth and 11th. So they're technically one loss and they could drop all the way out of the playoffs. What I want to talk about though with Atlanta is can Trey Young actually galvanize these guys? There is no reason, none, that a team with Trey Young, Danilo Gallinari, Clint Capella, John Collins, Kevin Herter, I know DeAndre Hunter's hurt, but DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Rondo, there's no Bogdanovich, there's no reason, none, no excuses that this Hawks team should not make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, I don't care if Trey Young is, a no pun intended, a young basketball player. That is an indictment, a direct indictment on his leadership skills. And that doesn't mean that he can't become better as a leader as he gets older, but it's a direct blow to how I perceive Trey Young as an all-around basketball player. If a team with this much talent can't make the freaking playoffs in the east with that being said i do want to cut him some slack because the acquisitions this offseason namely bogdan bogdanovich in my opinion they haven't produced to the level that the hawks had expected bogdanovich had zero points last night O of six shooting gallinari has been very very iffy on most nights the hawks other guys need to step up but with that being said, if you're a great leader and a great basketball player, you can galvanize the troops a little bit better, in my opinion, than Trey Young has done so far. I'm very excited to see how they do moving forward. Getting to my second Eastern Conference storyline that I have my eye on, the healthy Indiana Pacers, all right? They're getting close. Karis LeVert, God bless you, Karis LeVert. He is going to be making his Indiana Pacer debut tomorrow night. Unbelievable story for Karis. And this is a guy that a lot of people, I think, have forgotten about a little bit. Last year in the bubble, while Damian Lillard was going nuts, Karis LeVert was matching him bucket for bucket. Indiana already has two stars in Brogdon and Sabonis. Now they have a whole half a season to get Karis LeVert acclimated to their offense and to their system this team is as scary a team in the eastern conference besides the brooklyn nets they're right in that second tier with philly with milwaukee with miami i can't even put boston in there but they're right there and i think people are forgetting about indiana and i cannot wait to see what a healthy pacer team will look like because i think they are very very dangerous and it'll be interesting to see how soon Karis can get acclimated. With, with that being said, it's going to be an adjustment period because their style is going to have to... Karis is probably going to 
run more pick and roll with Sabonis, so the ball will be taken a little bit out of Sabonis' hands, but I think that's going to suit the Pacers because sitting at 16 and 19 right now, I get it. They've been injured. I get it. They've had a lot of different lineups, but I still feel like they are not playing up to expectations, as unfair as that sounds. So I'm excited to see what they look like going forward. And that'll get me to my third Eastern Conference storyline to watch, and that's the Boston Celtics depth, otherwise known as Boston is effing screwed. They're screwed. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, as good as they are, where is the rest of the where where is the rest of the juice coming from on this roster? And don't say Marcus Smart, all right? Don't say it. I get it. Marcus Smart's a great asset to have on your team, but they need more juice and it's just not there. The trade deadline for Boston, I think more than for any other team, is going to be a make or break moment, at least for this season, okay? Jalen Brown yesterday coming out of the All-Star break shot 7 of 25. How many nights are we going to go with watching the Celtics lack a playmaker to get guys like Tatum and Brown the looks that they need to be successful? Danny Ainge, does he have a lifetime job? He royally butchered this offseason. This enough is enough. If, if I'm a Boston Celtics fan, 19 and 18, we're in the fourth seed in the East. We have to not make a panic move. Because panic moves rarely ever work, but we have to make a move. We have to do something here to shake up our depth so that we actually have a chance to actually get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Because the Eastern Conference right now, besides the Brooklyn Nets, it's a it's a who's who. Like anybody can make the Eastern Conference Finals. Besides, I think Brooklyn's a lock, but besides them, anybody could make it. So why wouldn't Boston? make a better effort, make a more concerted effort to actually compete this year. So if you want Thad Young, <laughs> as a Bulls fan, it's going to take you two first. But it, I think if you're Danny Ainge, it's something that you seriously have to consider. And that gets me to my uh, my fourth Eastern Conference storyline, and that's the Toronto Raptors. And that's the same thing as with the Boston Celtics. I'm watching their depth, okay? We know who Kyle Lowry is, we know who Fred Van Vliet is, we kind of know who Pascal Siakam is, but the other guys, where is it going to come from? They're 17 and 20, they're ninth in the East, another team that's been absolutely decimated by injuries, by COVID, I get it, right? But last night, they blow that late lead to Atlanta. Chris Boucher has been a great find, a great diamond in the rough. But where else is it going to come from? Terrence Davis has been hot and cold. OG Ananobi still has not found any consistency in his NBA career. Aaron Baines is kind of, I don't want to say washed up, but kind of useless on a lot of nights. Where is it going to come from for Toronto? Because the nucleus of the team, their identity of Van Vliet, Lowry, and Siakam, I love I love that identity, but the other guys, somebody needs to be developed. I love what they found in DeAndre Bembry to kind of give him a little bit of playmaking kind of out of nowhere, I guess you could say. Last night, Stanley Johnson hit a couple clutch shots that made me feel like Stanley Johnson still has a chance to make it in the NBA. I always root for Stanley, 
they need to find something consistently. They've tried with so many different guys on their roster, Watanabe, uh, Paul Watson. They try with everybody, and nobody has really has stuck for them in their rotation. But if they could just get one other guy that can stick and can play night in, night out, Toronto, again, the East is up for grabs besides Brooklyn. The East is up for grabs. And I think Toronto, fully healthy and fully engaged, is as scary of a team as anybody. So I hope that they find one other rotation piece to get them slightly over the hump. I know my friends that I had on the last podcast, right? They are from Toronto. And they, I feel like they they wanted, uh, the guys from the Hardwood Report podcast, they wanted to kind of blow it up a little bit. I don't want to speak for you guys, but they were uh, more adamant on they're not as close as I think, and they watch a lot more Raptors basketball than I do, so I do very much value their opinion. I just think that a nucleus of winners will find a way to win if they have enough firepower, and right now the Raptors, in my opinion, just need one more, one more piece to actually compete in a very weak Eastern Conference. Now, I forgot to mention one thing, and I should have mentioned this at the beginning. This is a this is a huge. I don't even think it's a storyline, but it's kind of a Armani hot take. The Phoenix Suns are are a true title contender, and I neglected the Suns all season. I just said, you know, that's a cute Western Conference team, but they're twenty five and eleven. They've won five in a row. They probably have the best depth in the NBA. They have one of the best closers in the NBA in Chris Paul. And actually, maybe you could say two of the best closers because they have Devin Booker as well. That team is a true championship contender. And it's time that I started treating them like that because I have been very disrespectful toward the Phoenix Suns all year. So I probably should have mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast. But better late than never. So I hope that you guys found some enjoyment in this podcast. I hope that you guys have been keeping tabs on the NBA because the season is really heating up. The trade deadline is right around the corner. Yeah, it's it's an exciting time to be a fan of the NBA. If you play fantasy basketball, go pick up Kevin Porter Jr. if he's somehow still available in your league because he's about to take flight. With that being said, as always... Appreciate you for listening, and until next time, Armand out.